As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Bumgarner, along with Brendan Quinn. In March, March 10th, to be exact, as we're recording, it is March Madness time, more or less. Conference tournament's about to begin, and we've got some rivalry, Michigan-Michigan State stuff to talk about today as both programs prepare for the Big Ten tournament. And it looks like the NCAA tournament, as Michigan State now seems to be in comfortable position to keep that streak going. Brendan, we are joined today by a very special guest as we always are joined by special guests. Of course, we are also brought to you by BetMGM, the beat. Got to make sure I say that or Mike's going to make a start over. So we're <laughs> joined by a very special guest today, someone who has seen 99 straight Michigan-Michigan State men's basketball games in person. If these two teams play Friday, this will be 100 straight. This, uh, this person has also seen 52 straight Michigan, Michigan State football games, the one and only. If you haven't guessed who this is by now, I don't know. Legend. It's one of two people, and it's probably only one. It's either Mick McCabe or Jack Ebling, and we've got Jack Ebling on the show here today. Jack, how are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you? Very good. We're great. This is a role reversal, Jack. Yeah, right. we, are, we are cashing in all of our appearances on your show mm-hmm. and booking you for a solid, like, 45 minutes today. I think so. I still owe you about 50. Yeah. <laughs> So I hope your ass is comfortable because this is some revenge here. <laughs> 99 in a row. Jack, yeah. you told me this like a couple of years ago. I can't remember which game it was, but it was like a round number. And I remember I was telling Brendan before we got on here, I was like, I remember you saying this. We were like sitting courtside, maybe at Breslin or something. And you said like, this is my 85th or whatever. I was like, wait a minute. What are you talking? What? So a hundred straight. That's pretty crazy. Like, I mean, I don't even know where to start with something like that. But since 1969, right, that's that's when it sort of began. Yeah, it shows I'm from the Paleozoic era <laughs> of sports writers. But yeah, it was uh, 69 for football and January of uh, 1970 for basketball and uh, haven't gotten rid of me yet. So, <laughs> Jack, did you start as a beat writer and then become a columnist or did you yeah. start as a columnist in 60 yeah i actually that was starting as a student and wow. then as a coach i figured you were already like in your 40s in <laughs> <laughs> it just looks that way but uh, <laughs> uh, then as a high school coach and then kind of stumbled into this racket that's right i forgot wait you a second you were a high school yeah, coach i yeah. remember that yeah i didn't know this. i was a uh, football and uh track coach and my big goal was never to do this i never wanted to be in the media i thought it was a bunch of nerds i, right. I really wanted to uh to be a college football coach is that yeah. right i did not know that yeah Weird. I remember you told me that story back in the day somewhere. when did you become a columnist at the lsj i was a beat writer from uh see when i started in 78 until the early 90s Okay. And uh, then a columnist after that. So 
I have read I have read volumes of your work on newspapers.com <laughs> when I go to try to get historical references and stuff like that. I just keep coming up that that old headshot of you with a very a much darker beard <laughs> than you have nowadays. Yeah, much darker and much more hair too. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So uh, go ahead, Brendan, sorry. I was going to say like when you were starting out in in newspapers, you know, these were those were, those were those were times <laughs> when you know covering Michigan State at the LSJ's a you know destination job type deal yeah. and you know these newspapers had budgets and you could go to cover Super Bowls and go do all kinds of crazy shit that just aren't even remotely a possibility now did you like as you kind of went through the ranks there was that always I'm staying here I'm doing this and as long as they let me or did you have visions of going to you know jump to the Chicago Tribune or jump to, you know, bigger things and, and all that. What was your kind of thoughts on your career? Well, I was pretty happy here as a, I don't know, big fish in a small pond. And my wife had a great job teaching and we had family close and it was a pretty good situation. And I was covering Michigan state and quite a bit of Michigan. I saw Michigan win at the Rose bowl and national championship, uh, January 1st of uh, eight of uh, 98 and uh, saw Michigan win the final four in uh, 89. So I was covering pretty much everything I wanted to at that point. Hmm. So obviously, obviously Jack, we're going to talk Michigan, Michigan state in the current form today. Um, but before we get into that, uh, specifically with Michigan state and Izzo, I mean, no one, no one has been around Tom Izzo more than you um, during his coaching career. And I always say, and I think I'm not, you know, I'm not the only one who says this, but the, the tournament streak yeah. for me is, is the most impressive thing of his coaching career, I think. Um, and it's one of the most impressive things I think in college uh, athletics as it sits today. I mean, it's just crazy difficult. I think, I don't think people understand, you know, I think that this was something that really crystallized for me when you talked to Beeline early in his tenure, when he would talk about how hard it was to get a program to that level and keep them there every year. Right. Your memories of sort of the early days of that. Um, and then just walk us through, I guess, you know, your perspective on how difficult something like that really is and, you know, maybe why it should get more, I guess, run than it does. Cause we always talk about the final fours. We talk about, you know, right. the yeah. national title, but this to me is, it's just the most, it's, it's the uh, hallmark I think of his, of his tenure. Yeah. It's kind of the debate about Cal Ripken. You know, yeah, and maybe he's not the greatest player who ever played, but the consistency aspect, right? You have mm. to appreciate that. And until this year, until this nine and eleven Big Ten season, uh, Izzo had never been below five hundred in the conference, and almost everybody has a bad year. I mean, yeah. most people I know have a lot of several, them. and yeah. Uh, yeah. So from that standpoint, it shows what it's like. Uh, we had a drop that we ran for many years on the radio where he was talking, someone asked him about down years. He said, there'll be no down year to bring <laughs> that out now. But uh, uh, he was always able to find a way. And there were years when it was close. He wasn't always a one seed or a two seed. So mm -hmm. had to make some things happen, but I don't think it ever looked quite as dismal as it did this year. Uh, BQ, I think I saw you once on a platform uh, maybe it was a Penn State game mm -hmm. and uh, wondering if he'd make the tournament. I was talking about the NIT, uh, <laughs> never thinking that uh, they would be able to do what they've done down the stretch here. But I guess that's what people thought maybe they could do at the beginning of the year. Does it still. Uh, you're positive they're in at this point, right? Like, I, I'm, I don't think there's any chance. I think they Seems can go, like it, lose right? by 15 tomorrow to Maryland. I don't think it'll make much of a difference. No, I, I would think they're in. Now, if uh, something terrible happens to Aaron Henry, maybe they would take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, how many teams can beat three top fives? Right. I mean, it's just been an span. unbelievable run. Where does this kind of rank for – I mean, shit, I don't even – I can't imagine how many rankings you have, Jack. But, um, <laughs> you know, this has to be – kind of up there in terms of unexpected turnarounds yeah. in terms of, you know, yeah. things that you just really threw a curveball. Like, I, I mean, they were dead in the water. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they were. Yeah. Smelly carcass at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say it's probably the second biggest surprise in his 26 seasons. 
the biggest one was when everything started. Mm -hmm. It was December of 1997. It was his third year, and they lost to the University of Detroit three mm -hmm. straight times. I remember this. And a lot of people wanted him gone. Uh, there were there graffiti all over campus, Fizzo, yeah. get rid of this guy. And uh, people were writing about uh, who the next coach might be. Uh, they went down to South Florida. And uh, it was really a weird deal, guys. Uh, I got there early, and I was the only one who was there because everyone else had gone out to Hawaii for the bowl game. And I said, you know what? This guy just might not make it through this trip. So I'm going <laughs> to stop in Tampa and then Classic. fly to Honolulu, right? The Mark Snyder move, Jack. That's, the, that's, that's right. what he would have done. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm there. I'm the only one there. And I yeah. said, well, you know, I might as well get over there early and set up. And I'm there about 90 minutes before tip-off. And I look up in the stands. And there's George Steinbrenner. Mm. What the hell? So I went up there and introduced myself and said, if I can ask you, why are you here? <laughs> and he said, uh, I like to watch coaches. And I heard good things about this Izzo. And I'm thinking, well, you didn't hear him in East Lansing. So you <laughs> want to drive him to the airport. <laughs> right. And so he's watching him, watching him through the pregame, everything. He watches the first half of the game and then he leaves. But uh, I said, you know, I'd love to get you on my, my show here at some point, or of get, course. You know, there you go. Can I get, yeah. <laughs> so he gives me a number for his assistant. And then, you know, eventually I, we get together and he came on the show three or four times, but, uh, it was, <laughs> it was that kind of a start. Michigan state won a butt ugly game, really, oh God, slog fest. Uh, and then they went to Purdue and Purdue was number five in the country. And I had basically forgotten they played. I'm out in California at this point. They've already played the, uh, the Aloha Bowl, and I'm there to watch Michigan and Washington State play in the Rose Bowl. And I said, wow, hey, this is, a, this is a day Michigan State's playing at Purdue. And I was going to Pauley Pavilion that night to do a piece for Basketball Times on Illinois and UCLA. Hugging at my heartstrings with the basketball times drop there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, those were that was a great time working oh, with uh, Wetzel and Larry Donald, and those guys. Larry anyway, Donald, John Akers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike so, Sheridan was he there then? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all right, so, yeah. Sorry, no one cares about this. So, <laughs> so I had gone out to uh, Disneyland that day to do a piece on this uh, U of M walk-on from our area who. It was a special teams guy, a guy named Tate Shansky. Mm -hmm. And when I got back, I was, I was about two hours before I was going to leave for Polly. And I said, you know, I'm going to just call back. There's no uh, internet that you could really get anything and no phones. So, you know, you didn't have that kind of information. And uh, called home and I said to my wife, so, hey, uh, what happened to basketball game? And they moved it up. In fact, this is how much Purdue thought that this was a walkover. They were having a, a watch party that night in Mackey Arena for Drew Brees and Purdue football. And they said, well, we'll just put this basketball <laughs> victory on first. Victory. And then everyone will stay. And then we'll have the real thing, you know. So my wife said, uh, uh, they're up by 18. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, you know, that's about what I figured. Purdue clobber and probably beat them by 20. She said, no, Michigan State is mm -hmm. ahead by 18. <laughs> I said, put the radio up by the phone. <laughs> so I listened to like the last four minutes of the game. And then I went to Pauley Pavilion. And when I got back to the hotel, you know, the little red light on the phone, that blinks mm -hmm. when you got a call. That thing was blinking nonstop and like, Izzo had to talk to somebody. He just couldn't <laughs> believe what had happened. And from that point, they were off and running and won the first of four Big Ten titles. But uh, at one point, hey, when they were four and three and five and three, a lot of people would have uh, said there is absolutely no way that this guy will ever make a Final Four, much less eight of them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Damn, that's good stuff. That's a that is a hell of a story. Um, what does it mean to you to like these these earmarks, these benchmarks? Um, like, do you care, or is it just like a fun nugget of you know your life? Like, how do you feel about things like this at this at this point? Yeah, I mean, I don't sit there and dream about it. I have a calendar where I tear them off and all that stuff. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different, I guess. It, sure. It says that, uh, you know, I guess I've been doing this long enough to have seen 27 coaches at the two schools in yeah. football and basketball, 14 at Michigan state and 13 at Michigan. So, uh, that's uh, something, I guess, but it's just been a lot of great memories and, you know, it's funny. I, I grew up with this group of guys who were all really 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 successful at what they did and i think they would trade places they made like 25 times more money than i did rather rather have had the job that i've had over all these years so jack we talk about izzo's um streak and his run and everything else and i remember the early days of when it was a struggle and no one really knew where this was going to go right obviously as you've followed it and he's had opportunity what was the closest you thought he ever came to leaving like really, really right up to it where you were like, I think he might go, or did it ever get to that in your mind? Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. 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 I, I think he's had 10 offers. Yeah. To go. And a lot of them haven't been written about. No. Right. Yeah. Uh, but two in particular, uh, Atlanta mm-hmm. after the national championship, I think he actually told them he was coming. Yeah. And uh, then had to tell the team and uh, couldn't go through with it. And then uh, the Cleveland job, I think he would have taken that if he'd gotten any inclination from LeBron James that uh, he was going to stay or even that he wasn't going to stay. But the fact that he never got a call back, uh, I think, made him think, you know, maybe this isn't the most stable, secure situation. And he had reasons to stick around. So um, decided not to take that one either. You were right in the thick of it when, you know, between Tom's whatever, however you want to describe it, his paranoia, his (laughs) hatred, his loathing of the Fab Five era at Michigan and all that stuff. For you now to have come full circle and to be watching Izzo coaching against a member of the Fab Five, I mean, does this just continue to blow your mind even years into this? (laughs) Yeah, because uh, his first year as a head coach was the year after the Fab Five. They had just left. Now, Juwan and Jalen had left a year earlier, and Chris was gone two years before that. But uh, 1995 uh, was his first year, and it was the first year Mm post-Fabs. So it is kind of weird to think what it was like for him when he started and how much he lived to beat Michigan. And uh, then he went on this long string and seemed like he was going to beat him every year for a while. So, uh, but I think he's actually come to appreciate this rivalry in a different way. And it's so much respect for John Beeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, He loved Tommy Amaker, but they had been friends on the recruiting circuit. They had a, they had a a friendship. Um, he also probably liked beating Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that hurt. <laughs> right. uh, you know, he had a very different relationship with Michigan back in the 
the nineties and, uh, uh, didn't care for the way things had been run there. So uh, I do think that this rivalry to him has always been uh, front and center. And a lot of it is football. I mean, he gets fired up and like game day basketball is for football games. Yeah. <clears throat> and right. uh, it was funny in 2015 uh, with, well, he has trouble with the snap that, mm-hmm. He was on the sideline and he was taking a ton of abuse. He had his son there. And so, you know, uh, the fourth down incompletion looked like Michigan was going to run out the clock. And he said, I've had enough. So it was, come on, Steven, let's go. And so they go up the tunnel and that's a long tunnel at Michigan stadium. And he's yeah. navigating his way around everybody and cussing and, and they get up to the top and he hears this noise. It's like a super sucking sound. He just, what the hell happened? And so uh, someone says to him, uh, Michigan State won. So he turns and he starts coming back down the tunnel, right? He's going to come see this. And they blocked him. They won't let him. (laughs) So he never did get back to see what happened. But uh, he spent most of his ride home on the phone with D'Antonio getting a debriefing. So There you go. (laughs) You mentioned it, though. So much of this for him. Uh, the rivalry, you know, the nineties, the, the Chris Weber recruitment, the recruiting in general. And we talked with, we've talked with Mick before about uh, Weber's recruitment and Izzo's sort of, you know, uh, his involvement in that and, and maybe how it shaped, you know, after the fab five, I guess maybe during, like, what was it, you know, were you still, were you guys still talking? I'm sure you were talking with him during, when he was an assistant, when he was around on these recruiting situations. What do you remember about the, that period? I know we've talked about that for years and years and years, but like, it's important, I think, especially in this context to go back because, you know, Juwan was a key figure in that time. And that's right. also the time that Tom is you know, identity as a coach who this was his biggest enemy. And it, he yeah. made, I mean, that's when it started. So, I mean, what, what do you remember about those days? Yeah. Uh, when he was an assistant for Judd, it was mm-hmm. funny because Judd recruited less than any head coach in the country. And Tom probably recruited <laughs> yeah, as right. much as any assistant, as much as you would let him, uh, if you could figure out how to have a 26 hour day, he would have recruited 26 hours, but, uh, he thought he had Chris and Chris said, told him he was coming and then things changed mm-hmm. and, uh, he never forgot that, never forgave that. And, uh, the way that things came down, I think he thought was poetic justice to some extent. Um, but when he took over as head coach, the first five meetings, those games have all been been vacated now, but uh, he yep. got thumped right. five times. And I remember the final game of his third year it was the first year that he won the Big Ten. And they beat Michigan in Breslin, it was a very close game, and uh, Jason Klein, at a timeout, uh, basically called a play. It's very uncharacteristic, and said, "I can do this." It was a little bit like a scene out of Hoosiers, you know, hmm. and uh, Jimmy Chitwood. And uh, so he said, oh, "Okay, let's 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 run it." And he hit the shot, and Michigan State won. I think eighty seventy five. And uh, these were a little different days. Izzo went out to Trippers <laughs> and uh, had a little celebration out there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you could never do anything like that now. But uh, in those days, that was okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was basking in that win, not knowing how many he'd ever get. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the crazy part, I guess, is how fast it turned. I mean, the sanctions, everything else have a lot to do with that yeah. uh, in terms of Michigan not being able to get itself correct. But. I mean, it's an interesting, what's your, um, in the, in the 99 straight, what are some of the ones that, uh, that stand out above the rest, I guess, if there's a batch or, you know, some moments or memories that you just, you know, you can't shake for whatever reason. Uh, the fab games, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, uh, Michigan state got them in Chrysler, uh, after Michigan had won in Breslin. And that was as much hostility as I'd ever seen directed toward a team. I and mean, mm-hmm. students were ringing the court when Michigan's bus pulled in mm-hmm. and uh, just were, were merciless, but Michigan wound up winning the game. 
the Scott Skiles Antoine Jobert mm. matchups in '86. Uh, those were unforgettable. Um, this was kind of a funny story when uh, Michigan State. It was having a pretty good year for them, but Michigan was by far the dominant team was going for back-to-back big 10 championships and Michigan state had gone to Minnesota, uh, played them on a Saturday night. And that Saturday they had a shoot around uh, and Scott Skiles was being Scott, just kind of being a jerk and uh, he would shoot and he just tried to knock their ball out of the basket and, Finally, Carlton Valentine had enough and he just hauled off with his elbow and got Skiles in his eye. It just looked like a big piece of hamburger, right? Mm. So just unbeknownst to, to me how it was going to happen, I had to be staying in the Radisson Hotel, Minneapolis, where the team was. And I was walking down the hall and I could hear Heathcote going off on somebody. <clears throat> I mean, he was reading them the riot act. So I just got as close to the door as I could. I'm trying to hear who it is. Yes, as you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I could hear that was Valentine and I could hear him like crying. And, you know, he thought he was going to have to walk home from Minneapolis. <laughs> so Scott goes off that night, scores 45 Oof. with one eye. And uh, it was 20 for 28 from the field and five for five from the line. Oh my God. And it went back through the play by play. Of course, there was no three point shot then, but mm -hmm. they just list the distance, you know, Skiles 25J, Skiles 28J, whatever it mm -hmm. would be. And I think he would have had 62 if they oh. had a line that night. So now Michigan State has a, a bye until they play Michigan the next Saturday, back to back games, kind of like what we just yeah. had, right? Yeah. So it was the ninth and 10th games of an 18 game Big Ten season. And uh, it's the Monday and uh, Heathcote has his press conference. And then on Tuesday, Bill Frieder is having his press conference. And I didn't have anything better to do. So I said, well, I'm going to go down there and hear what Frieder has to say about this. So Bill's droning on and on about stuff. And we're in that, that side <laughs> room there in, in yeah. Chrysler. And uh, finally, we see uh, Antoine Jobert come in and they had cookies and soft drinks in the back. So he's coming through. He's going to get some cookies on his way down to the floor. I look at Jim Spadafore. Yep. He looks at me and we said, we're bailing on Frieder here. It's not <laughs> here anymore of this crap. Enough of this. Yeah, right. yeah. So we followed Joe Bear down to the floor and he's sitting in that first row of seats tying up his shoes. And I said, hey, if you played Scott, uh, oh, actually, no, first, uh, uh, Spadafore said, so what do you think of Skiles? And he said, yeah, not much. Said, uh, you know, he shot every time he got the ball. And I'm thinking, you know, this is Antoine Jobert. He shot the ball 45 times a game in high school. Right. <laughs> but uh, I said, so if you played Scott one-on-one, -on -one, who would win? And he laughed. And he said, you kidding me? And uh, Gary Grant was out shooting jump shots, just mm -hmm. warming up. And Joe Bear says, hey, General, uh, if I played Skiles one-on-one, -on -one, who'd win? And Grant stopped, and he said, uh, well, you would. And Joe Bear said, what'd the score be? He said, I don't know, 21 to 10. And then he, he looked at us, he said, but if I played him, it'd be 21 to 2. <laughs> I don't think I've ever driven that fast. Yeah, right. Getting back to <laughs> East Lansing. And this was a period of time where, uh, I was banned from talking to Skiles. Uh, a couple other writers were too for things we'd done. Heathcote threw me out of practice three straight days. It was so yeah. yeah. I had mothers against Scott Skiles <laughs> around uh, Jenison Field House, right? When you'd go in. So uh, oh, it happened to be the one day a year, there was always one, when Judd would go out recruiting. And I think he'd gone down to Detroit with Mike Dean to uh, see somebody and uh, I didn't see his car in the parking lot. So I said, well, I'm going to go in anyway. And I could hear the shower. So I knew that had to be Skiles because he was always the last one in the gym. So he comes out of the shower and he sees me. He said, Hey, I can't talk to you. And I said, no, but you can listen. <laughs> and I said, would you like to play uh, Antoine Jobert one-on-one? -on -one? 
and then I explained kind of what had happened, just being an antagonist. <laughs> and uh, I could see the smoke yeah. coming out of Skyle's ears, right? And I said, this is going to be good. <laughs> so, so they played that Saturday night uh, in Jenison, and uh, Michigan State upset them, and Scott had 40 yeah. and fouled both of those guys out. <laughs> and at the end of the game, when uh, everybody's in the greeting line, uh, Skiles wasn't in the greeting line. And uh, Joe Bear turned to him and said, uh, we'll get you back in Ann Arbor. And uh, Scott said, not unless you drop 15, fat boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was pretty memorable. Oh, boy. And then uh, the other the other series, uh, the trifecta from two years ago, uh, those yeah three games. Uh, I don't think you could find much better basketball than those three together. Yeah, those were those were those were really good. That was incredible stuff. Um, first of all, what a time to be alive! The like we I hear know. these stories, this, and this is when Nick and I are just slamming not our even fair. The ball, being yeah. like, I mean, we came along twenty yeah. years too late when you guys <laughs> running around buildings, just grabbing guys and just poking the bear all over the place. Sounds amazing. Yeah, you were their version of, of Twitter. Like you were Twitter <laughs> for them before it existed. <laughs> Relaying messages, I love it. I love Judd just casually tossing you out of practice on a regular basis. Is it just based on? whatever columns you wrote that day or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> after the, uh, the win, well, actually it was after the second win when, when he threw me out the three times, but uh, they had beaten <laughs> Michigan on a Thursday in Ann Arbor. Okay. Uh, and then Friday morning was uh, Skiles court appearance back in. That's right. So we said, hey, you know, after the game was over, we're just going to drive down there. And I said, I'm going to get some some good stuff on, on this. And they had announced that uh, Skiles and his attorney, a guy named Charles Scruggs, would meet with the media as soon as the judge was done pronouncing what was going to happen. Skiles wasn't going to talk. But they had had a, a plea bargain deal set, they thought. Yeah. And the judge didn't like scott's attitude or something uh during the thing and uh changed the plea bargain oh boy yeah. <laughs> which yeah so we're waiting yeah. outside and when we get word of what it is he said oh wow you know this guy's mm -hmm. gonna spend 30 days in jail and all this stuff <sighs> didn't know how that would affect the rest of the season so we're right. waiting for heathcote and scruggs and they get in the car and then boom we see him driving away so now we got nothing yeah we've driven down there and uh, state journals held the front page, you know, they got this big plan for what they're going to do. So I called back and I said, uh, you don't have the story you thought you were going to get, but I might have a better one for you. I said, what's that? And I said, let me stay, uh, tonight and tomorrow and, uh, uh, give you a piece about, uh, what it's like to have the greatest hero in this town's history. I mean, it was like Milan. Uh, when Plymouth won the state championship, mm -hmm. 930 kids, and it's an yeah. all all class, you know, one one class basketball. So I said, okay, if you think you can do it. And I said, yeah, I want to get everyone's reaction to this because here's our greatest hero, and now he's in all this trouble. And do they hate him? Do they love him? Whatever. So I just talked to, you know, former teammates and hung out in a pizza place and um, got some pretty cool stuff about uh, the reaction to him and how some people felt cheated and some people felt jilted and some people loved them and some people were afraid that if they said anything they'd get shot yeah right <laughs> so uh, i wrote this story scott skiles a town divided and uh i thought i'd get a call from heathcote because usually when i wrote something uh, he'd just call and start screaming but um uh, <laughs> he didn't say anything so monday there's a press conference and he gets up the podium and then he takes off and took off on our sports editor and everybody mm. else and how can they do this and you used uh unnamed sources and you know it's really really hard to use unnamed sources in those days but we finally got approval to do that mm -hmm. so at that point uh i went to practice that afternoon and they're practicing he notices me up in the balcony at jenison mm -hmm. and sends a manager up and kicks me out. 
So, okay. He's, he's good. <laughs> so I go back the next day and I'm up there and he sees me again and he sends the manager up there, kicks me out. Uh, I went back on Wednesday and he looks up and says, get your ass out of here. <laughs> so I left, but I didn't really leave. I waited at his car in the parking yeah. lot. And I said, we got to get this thing figured out somehow. Right. And uh, he came out and uh, we had a pretty loud exchange. And from that point on, uh, I guess I was allowed back in the building, but uh, <laughs> it was, it was surreal. The whole Skiles experience with that. And then they went and, you know, probably should have made the final four, if not for the clock incident. Mm. Man, this is, this is another kind of uh odd anecdote with this guys but you'll appreciate when i i did uh heathcote's book at the end right yeah he's sure. retired mm -hmm. so we decided we're gonna do this book judd a magical journey and i wanted him to name his all-time team and he would never do it so i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna have a guy pissed at me right so i said all right well name your all opponent team can you do that so he talks about larry bird and Glenn Robinson, and he got four guys that, you know, greatest of the greats. Um, and then he says, and Larry Bates. Larry Bates? The hell is Larry Bates? But I can't let him know I don't know who Larry Bates is. Yeah, 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 is, right? of course. So I'm trying to think, who the hell is Larry Bates? Finally, I said, okay, you got me. Yeah. I don't know who's Larry Bates. He says, he's a clock operator at Kemper Arena. <laughs> Greatest opponent. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub an official partner of The Athletic. Jack, do you, uh, you know, you've, you've been there when this rivalry was at its most vile, you yeah. know, it's, it's best in terms of competition. It's worst in terms of behavior. Yeah. Um, where do you kind of put things now? You know, it felt like I got here in 13. Yeah. Um, that was when Michigan had caught up with Michigan State, right? Yeah. Up into a national championship game. It turned it was definitely nasty at that point. You got Stauskas blowing kisses and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, and then be, like that mutual respect that you talk about with Beeline, like it did seem like they were kind of going back and forth. And you yeah. know, there wasn't a lot of chum in the water, right? People weren't saying stuff. It never really kind of got to that level. And now it's like I don't know. It's hard because there's no fans this year and right. we didn't get to kind of see what these games would have been like, but um, what's kind of your temperature check on, on things? Yeah. I don't want to call it sterile, but it's certainly antiseptic mm -hmm. uh, in comparison to the past. I don't think it's ever been as friendly as it is now. Uh, I think both sides definitely want to win, but even going back to, uh, the late sixties, early seventies, Michigan was coming off the Cassie Russell years and uh, Michigan state didn't have much going, but I, I think now, uh, you know, Tom has respect for Juwan mm -hmm. has a lot more respect for him as a coach. I think than he did as a member of the five as a fabs. Mm -hmm. And sure. You know, he remembers what that was like after the game in Breslin when uh, Jalen and Juwan and those guys on the, center of the court but right. i think now he he certainly uh thinks juan's done a great job uh, he thinks that you know he's running a clean program which is something he didn't think for a couple of decades at michigan right so um i don't know that he's mellowed or just the situation has changed it's definitely different yeah i i think nick i'll be curious for like your read on it because i think yeah. him mellowing is part of it well, I think from my read on this, and Jack, see if you agree, like when I thought about like when Beeline got here, you know, it stayed the same for, for Tom. It was still that they were, 
you know, doing whatever they wanted in this rivalry. For the most part, Michigan had to play its perfect game and still come up a couple points short. That was yeah. kind of what you'd see. And then, you know, when they won that share in 2012, and then the next year they go to the title game, and Michigan State had good teams. Michigan State was better than them in 2012 with Draymond and um, had a good team in 13 as well. I got a sense that he – it was like this flashback maybe for him of like back to the early 90s of like all of a sudden here we are and all, all anybody wants to talk about is Michigan and I'm – we're this just whatever that's been ignored. And that felt like it reignited things a little bit. So like that 2013 game, Jack, yeah. remember that when uh, like Michigan started McGarry and it – I mean Michigan State just completely blew them out. But that was like the loudest I've ever heard, Breslin. That was personally as loud as I've ever heard it. But then you're right. I mean I think that – Respect for Beeline sort of seemed to tame some of that. Um, and I can remember, Jack mentioned the three games a couple of years ago. I probably told Brennan this as an aside. The title game that year yeah. was on CBS at four o'clock, whatever it always is. Right. And I remember, I think it was Tracy Wolfson did the pregame interview with Tom and John together. They did it mm-hmm. together. And I was like, this is not that, like, that is that <laughs> shit insane. <laughs> That Izzo and the Michigan basketball coach are like basically standing with their arm around each other before they go out and play this great game, uh-huh. they great teams. That to me was like the, I was like, oh, they're in a really good spot. It's super competitive. They still want to kill each other. But like <laughs> from 2012 through 18, I feel like Izzo yeah. grew this respect level for Beeline that really did sort of change a lot of the way he sees how Michigan operates. And I, you know, Jack, he's talked about this before too. He want, you know, he is a wanted Michigan, Michigan state to be like a Duke Carolina. Right. And I feel like at, at that day on yeah. that court, that's what that was. It was, yeah. it was like Duke Carolina that, that, that was sort of my read on. I wonder if you maybe feel. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. And there was a day, I think it was uh, January of 2011. Mm. Uh, and there was a lot of talk about whether John Beeline was the right guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. For Michigan, and uh, you know that team was going nowhere. They yeah. came in, and Zach Novak and Stu Douglas. Yep. Uh, saved Michigan. They won that game in Breslin, and uh, that was really the beginning, I think, for Beeline. Yeah. Yeah, that was what it turned. The, the yeah, and Douglas hit that big shot. Yeah. In those late years, you also had when you know Beeline had his bypass and Izzo reached out, and yeah. that it yeah. meant a lot to. I think John and, and, and Tom was genuine in that. That wasn't just the cursory, you know, pick up the phone, call the guy. Hey, hope you're all right. Um, I think he cared. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, and it it was all very real and wasn't manufactured, but speaking of manufactured, I do feel like it's a little too placid out here. And I feel like next year as fans (laughs) fans are back in the buildings, we need to get out there. (laughs) We need to start hunting down Scott Skiles coming out of the shower and uh, stir some shit up and yeah. get this thing back on course and make things a little more interesting again because uh, it's all the, the kumbaya is adorable and everything, but I prefer the uh, I want some juice here. You know, there's a picture, and maybe you guys have seen it from the final four in '99 in St. Petersburg. And uh, Michigan State had its big alumni gathering as a pep rally out on the beach. And there's a famous picture of Jim Harbaugh. Oh yeah, I've seen it at this press at this yep. gathering. Yeah, uh, wearing all Michigan State stuff, head to yeah, toe. I remember it. And of course, he's Tom Crane's brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's singing the fight song. Oh, yeah. and, and uh, it was. <laughs> when you think about it now, it's hard to believe. Yeah, they were friends. They're friends. They were friends, I guess. Jim and uh, Tom, right? They were. I guess sort of friendly, right? Yeah, well, they're they're in-laws. I don't know yeah. how uh, yeah. friendly they are, but hey, no, no, no. Izzo, Izzo and Jim, not Cream. Oh, Izzo and Jim. Yeah, 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 Izzo yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was kind of weird that when Indiana came to play Michigan, and there was a lot on the line, uh, Harbaugh went in the Indiana oh, yeah. locker room and <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think he talked to the team and. Uh, that created quite the stir. You you just mentioned earlier, you know, doing your shit stirring with Scott Skiles. I was the one standing outside the locker room and watched him go in and tweeted it. And uh, everyone got mad at me for the next uh, hour and a half. I remember that very well. Because I remember exactly that. I remember standing right there and watching him walk in. And he saw me watch him walk in. And I, I saw this look on his face where he was like, come on. And I was like, it's his brother-in-law. I did say that. But, like, it was weird. You don't have to go in the locker room. I mean, that's a very strange move. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. He also, Crazy. that was also Crazy the year, guy. 
that was also the year that um, Michigan beat Indiana in the tournament, or maybe it was the next year uh, in the Big Ten tournament with the Cam Chapman yeah. buzzer beater. And yeah. he was watching that game with – that Michigan had a football camp that day, and Jack, Jim, and John were there, and they all watched it together. Uh, and they were all obviously rooting for Indiana <laughs> in Chrysler. They were in Chrysler in the locker room. But, like, it, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know what you're supposed to say. I mean, it's her brother-in-law. But, you know, it was a little weird. Yeah. Not going to lie. <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> <laughs> kind of on brand. But anyway, you want to talk about this one, this uh, this upcoming run here, Brendan, at all? Uh, yeah, let's talk a little this. Big Ten tournament. And, Jack, what kind of uh, – what what you see shaking out here um, – so we're recording this. What do we got now? It is almost noon on Wednesday. So Michigan State will tip off in about 24 hours versus Maryland. Yeah. Winner of that gets Michigan on Friday around noon. Um, you know, this tomorrow's game, the same way that the finale between Michigan and Michigan State meant a lot more to Michigan State than it did to Michigan. I feel like this game means a lot more to Maryland probably than it does to Michigan State. Maryland needs this win i feel like to feel as comfortable as michigan state does right really? now about its nca i think so you don't you think maryland's in for sure i think maryland's in yeah i think nine big 10 teams are in when you look at the strength of schedule guys mm-hmm. and of the top top 16 teams and i'm there all sorts of different ratings but i'm just looking at Sagarin here mm-hmm. and 14 of the 16 teams are from the big 10 iowa state is five and kentucky is 12 and then all the rest of them go from uh, Penn State being one and Michigan's is uh, 16, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. all 14 of the Big Ten teams are in the top 16. So I don't know how you don't have nine teams in. Sure. Uh, maybe if they had a run of surprises in the tournaments, but I think we're seeing that uh, most of the favorites are winning and the ones who aren't uh, are in one bid league. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of bumping. You could be very well right. I just saw when Maryland lo- loses Northwestern Penn yeah. State back-to-back to end a year, that was kind of a, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, you know, this could be a Turgeon special right here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> a Turgeon special. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, they did go 9-11 and 11 in the league. They're, what, 15-12 and 12 overall, something yeah. like that. You um, mentioned Northwestern, and has any team – had a stranger year ever than Northwestern. They get up to 19th in the poll. They beat Michigan State by 14, win at Indiana by seven, and beat Ohio State back to back to back, then lose 13 in a row, God. and then win the last three. <laughs> My favorite sounds, is Boo Booey. sounds about right. Yeah. Boo Booey goes for, yeah. what was it, 30-something, 30 30, right? 30, 30 against Michigan State? running around out there looking like an all-American candidate or something. Yeah. Um, has mainly just resided in single digits mm. for the rest of the year. He had back-to-back. At one point, he scored uh, two points over a span of three games against Iowa, Michigan, Illinois. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that uh, Boo Booey nicely encompasses this year's uh, Northwestern team. Let me I think both. he is uh, the Larry Bates for Tom. Larry, Larry. Oh, oh. <laughs> let, me, let me ask both of you this about Michigan state specifically, because it's been, like you said, it's been a pretty impressive several weeks here, I guess, or a couple weeks anyway, for them to make this run. I mean, realistically, you know, they're going to get in, they're going to be, you know, a lower or a different seat, I guess, than maybe they're accustomed to and maybe give somebody fits, but like realistically, uh, you know, is this team got enough to do anything here and surprise people or, or is this mostly, you know, are we going to see something where it's like, well, they expended everything they had just to get in and it's maybe it's going to fizzle. I mean, what's the read on this? You're asking the wrong guy because I thought they were going to lose at Indiana, lose to Illinois, Ohio State and Michigan. So right. uh, I, I haven't seen it. But, hey, uh, every game they have won in the Big Ten, Aaron Henry scored 16 points or more. So mm-hmm. uh, if he can have a big game and the guy I think has really changed this team. Uh, and maybe Izzo is starting to believe in him, is Marcus Bingham. Yep. I think he's changed uh, what Michigan State is in terms of interior defense. They still have so many issues at the point, and yeah. you get a Rocket Watts sighting, but, you know, where's that going to be the next game? He could be gone again. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of problems with this team and, and a very, very slim margin for error. Right. 
I mean, on the interior, I feel like they've found at least a workable recipe of not only Bingham yeah. playing well and giving them something and being able to use his length, but also the other guys, when they put him out there, are playing far more physically than they did earlier in the year. They're they're mucking it up. They are out right. there just kind of cranking guys left and right. And, you know, it's one of those things, if you play that physical, they're not going to call everything. Right. So, right. you know, you, you can play that way and, and make other teams uncomfortable and at least get better minutes out of that spot than they were earlier in the year when it was just useless, you know. Um, there was just no answer from, from game to game. So, um, speaking of game to game, this rocket sighting that we yeah. saw shoot across the sky, Jack, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, are you buying this or what do you no. think? No, I'm not. <laughs> He's not straight not. up. <laughs> need to see it like three games in a row, but yeah, I, yeah. I do think, uh, in honor of Brendan Quinn, now that they're starting Julius Marble, uh, for you, that. That seemed to, to work as long as he can stay in the game before he falls out. And uh, 90, 90 seconds of run and then yeah. to the bench. Yep, yep, yep. I also was thinking about you, Brendan, when uh, Gabe Brown hit those two perimeter jumpers. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that that wasn't going to last, but hey, at least he was there when they needed him and uh, might not have won that game without him. True. True story. I mean, Nick, to answer your question, the really weird thing about what Michigan State's doing right now is that they're not by really any measure playing that well. Um, oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's just yeah. I mean, there. if you yeah. you can go by and now, you know, the numbers are a little bit skewed because their two losses, they got hammered mm-hmm. and their five wins were pretty close, but in this five and two finish to end the year, that includes three top five wins or top 10 wins, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, in that span, they basic they rank like 50th in offensive efficiency and 70th oh, yeah. They're just grinding. In efficiency and 40th in overall <laughs> efficiency, which like, look, the numbers can change because of the score of the game, but that is still like impossible mm-hmm. to have this stretch and these wins and have those numbers. Like there can be outliers here and there, but like that's really hard right, exactly. <laughs> to do, to do what they have done. It doesn't make any sense. It's a credit to the way that they play. They play harder than shit now. And Aaron Henry's just a, just a bad dude, you know, and he's just kind of willing them across this finish line. And I don't know what they have left in the tank, but it's just impressive that they're even still yeah. running. I can't quantify this, but I would bet that uh, no team in Big Ten history has ever beaten three top five teams and had more losses by 15 points or more. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's a, probably a good stat. It's probably somewhat accurate, I would think. Been a crazy ride, for sure. Get Elias on the on the There you go. <laughs> they got. Yeah, we'll see. So what's your prediction here, Jack? What do we got this week? Uh, I think Michigan State, it's a coin flip, really, with Maryland. Uh, I don't see them beating Michigan if they get a second crack at them. Even if Brooks isn't on the court? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is he definitely out for the tournament? What's what's I, the story? I'd there? love to know, Jack. <laughs> the program is. I thought I would come to the athletic and crickets, find out. Actually, uh, crickets from inside. I know there's all kinds of stuff out there that he would probably miss. I think there's like message board stuff out there that he'll miss the uh, uh, Big Ten and, and be at least able to give it a go in the NCAA. In theory, I don't know. I, I won't believe it until I hear something a little more firm. Um, I mean, I've checked with people close to him and it's been very buttoned up, we'll say. Um, the fact that the program hasn't come out and said anything is season ending or anything like that, I think is a right. positive, though. So, yeah. you know, they're not going to come out. And I was going back and forth with uh, with Dylan about this last night where I'm like, is it is it weird that they haven't said anything about Brooks? And, you know, he brought no, up the point right where, well, if it's, you know, if it's not season ending, would, there, yeah. would they put out something official just saying it's an ankle sprain and he's questionable? I mean, right. it would be nice if they answered any of our requests, but well, there you go. <laughs> um, that's probably asking too much considering they've had like one availability in two weeks. So <laughs> that's just that's another, that's another story for another podcast. <laughs> and there's all this time you've been oh. embedded with the uh, Michigan program this month, uh, BQ, you haven't uh, picked up on that, right? Oh yeah, all the embedded access that I'm getting has been really, really behind the behind the curtain, Jack. That's that's what I've gotten this year. This year needs to end, and we need to act like it never happened. Is my yeah. opinion. Same with last. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing Michigan State will be a 11 seed. I guess if it mm. won a couple games, it could move up a line sure. from that. But uh, you know, it'll be a short stay, as as you said. The tournament string. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. To me, is the most important aspect of this. Uh, they always say, you know, how good is a program or how good is someone? And I say, well, what's the floor for it? Not, not necessarily the ceiling. And, you know, we see Kentucky and Duke on the outside looking in. Maybe Duke will run the table in the ACC tournament, but I really doubt it. And uh, in that case, it'll be Kansas. And then, uh, you know, Michigan State will have the second longest active streak. So I just think that it's, it's the most impressive thing that that he that he's done and it's one of the most impressive anyway i mean you saw him emotional after the game there on tv um, yeah. the other day and i you know you beat michigan uh, that's, a, that's a big part of it but for me when i looked at it it was just like you mentioned it jack what's the floor of your program if he's saying what's the floor of our program it's we are always going to be good enough yeah or work hard enough to be in in the tournament and i know he said at one point along the way I remember I read this from, I don't know if it was Brendan or Graham or one of these guys, you know, reciting a quote that he had about, um, you know, I don't care about this brand or anything else. I'm not worried about anything else right now, but you're like, no, I mean, that's, that's Michigan state basketball. That's like super important. I think you could even recruit to this stretch and be like, we were, we had no option. We had nowhere to go and we grinded our way through it. We're still here. Like that's, that's the program. I mean, to me, that's Tom Izzo in general, like when he's gone, whenever that is, if he coaches, you know, 20 more years and drops on the bench or whatever. Right. But I mean, like, that's what I think the biggest takeaway should be about his entire run here. And I, you know, it's always impressive when he pulls one of these out of the hat like this, just to get in. Cause I think that's, doesn't get talked about enough. Well, there was a, a point not too long ago where I would have said it's more likely they finished five and 15. Yeah. In the big 10 that they, they could have gone off the race. Yeah. Right. So, and it's all it's all very very odd the way these things work because you know I mean it's it gets annoying when you have to kind of preface everything by being like well this guy went to nine yeah. final fours and twenty four straight NCAA tournaments so what do I yeah. know but we'll, we'll we will continue to question everything <laughs> everything he does. every decision that he, that he makes but it is a little it it's interesting that like. The, the year that Nick Ward went down and Tillman was kind yeah. of forced more yeah. into the lineup and that ended up forcing his hand into a lineup yep. that should have been played more often. And there's right. been some similar circumstances with this year's team. So sometimes it's, you know, things work out in, in your favor. Um, but you also kind of have to put yourself to uh, in position to be in position to use a horrible cliche. Oh, <laughs> well, you think about how many assists Cassius Winston would have had for his career if he didn't. Oh. Rotate with Tum Tum Nairn, right? Right. Right. Well, (laughs) these things happen. Jack, before we get out of here, every time we end uh, a episode of The Beat, we try to uh, encourage our listeners to support their local restaurants. Do you have any uh, spots in East Lansing that uh, you think – or I guess Lansing in general? Jack's show has ad contracts with every restaurant. Well (laughs) – and I win. <laughs> yeah, do you just need five minutes here to run through your sponsorship? <laughs> get you guys sponsored on the show. That would be a breakthrough. <laughs> what do you got? Where should people grab some takeout or maybe uh, go in and grab a bite today? Uh, in Woody's Oasis on Trowbridge Road. That's a good one. Your uh, alternative to fast food. So that's, uh, th- that's our favorite. And uh, they've been with the shows, radio and television, for a long time. Nice. Good choice. Nice. And I'll throw out. Uh, what's the, the Philadelphia cheesesteak place right at the end of the uh, at the highway? This I don't know if they sponsor your show, but I know I, I've I think I've had a beer with you there, Jack. Maybe I don't know, uh-huh. probably. Um, but I enjoy a cheesesteak, and I'm looking forward to popping back in there one of these days. Yeah, so, okay, that's uh, a deal. Yeah, there we go. All right, well, Jack Ebling, legend. Yes, sir. Congratulations on 100. Here's to the next 100. There you go. Uh, will I will I run into you at some point here tomorrow, BQ? Are you going to be wandering around TPC Sawgrass? <laughs> I guess I won't because I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, right now. <laughs> I guess I, I guess it shows uh, how important the Big Ten basketball tournament is. <laughs> you are not wrong, my man. You are not wrong. Well, uh, you are the best, Jack. We do appreciate it and appreciate um, all that you've done for both of us and having us on your show over the years and all the kind things that you, uh, you have said. Um, I know about me. I don't know about Nick. You probably oh, yeah. don't, don't say anything Jack's the best. about him. But. Uh, I, I've said it enough times, but I'll just say it one more time. If anybody is not subscribing to the athletic, uh, they're missing a trick because that is the best source, not just for deep dives, but uh, I never go a day with, 
without checking it out. Absolutely. Outstanding. Very kind, Jack. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for everyone for listening. Be sure to uh, leave us a review in the iTunes store. And then, of course, be sure to tip your bartenders and servers. I was born and raised the place where